Today is Monday, March 27th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. The NCAA Final Four is all set. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. Don't forget you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me as always to get through the news of the cray, as we like to call it, Billy Hallowell. What's going on, Billy? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. You know, I'm I'm contented but not caffeinated today. I haven't All had right. any coffee yet. Got to get on so, that. Got to get on that. We got to kickstart our day. Busy week ahead, as always. There's a lot going on. As always, that's always the same. That is guaranteed. But uh, we had a interesting news clip of a weatherman. I've never seen this before. A lot of people are saying the same thing. Basically praying, quick prayer, during his tornado coverage. Yeah, it's it's a wild story. He was so overtaken by the emotion of seeing live footage of what was happening on the ground yeah. that he turned right to Jesus. Yeah, so, yeah and there were some other side effects there that um, from, from his report that weren't just about the prayer that were very important. We'll have the details on those. Interesting story there. Uh, also, the main thing, Republicans are calling it woke capitalism. ESG investing, what is it? It's environmental, social, and governance-related investing. Well, why are Republicans pushing back against this? Madison Seals has the story there, breaking that all down. We'll get all to that in good time, but first we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. More bodies have been found as crews are continuing to work through the debris and the rubble of this massive chocolate factory explosion in Berks County, Pennsylvania. Seven people have died so far. Several have also been pulled from the rubble, including one found alive overnight. But uh, rescuers are starting to lose hope as time goes on that they're going to be able to find anyone else still missing uh, alive. The initial incident report did mention a gas leak, though there's no conclusions on the exact cause of that explosion which happened around five o'clock on friday evening this uh, factory is in west reading about 60 miles northwest of philadelphia and in the men's ncaa basketball tournament the final four is all set san diego state's going to be playing florida atlantic who's a real cinderella story just a nine seed and they defeated creighton university Meanwhile, the University of Miami, they're going to play University of Connecticut after they beat Texas yesterday, 88-81. to And a former adult entertainer and OnlyFans content creator, Black China, explained in an interview published on Friday why she is now quitting the platform. And she said it's because of her Christian faith. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. Billy, I found this one quite interesting, this story from late last week when um, China, who's uh, kind of known around entertainment circles, I guess had an OnlyFans account. I didn't know that. But then she quit it and cited her Christian faith, and she actually added that it was the degrading nature of OnlyFans. So uh, clearly, I don't know exactly what's going on with her faith walk, but the fact that her eyes are being opened to, to what 
these sorts of sites are actually about is encouraging. Well, it is. And I think when you start to realize, you know, I've altered my appearance, I've done all these things the world has told me I needed to do to get attention. And you come to the end of that, you have to keep in mind when people make these decisions and we don't know what's going on in people's hearts. We can only judge what they're saying and, and the fruit from that, that, that follows, but you're leaving behind a lot of money, which, you know, so, so yeah. it is interesting to me when somebody makes a decision like that, it's the right decision, but a lot of people, they get roped into all of these things because they can make money from it. So I tend to really admire people when they take a step back, knowing that it could actually hurt them financially because they know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I think they said she was making about a million dollars a year on this site because of her popularity and whatever else. And so, yeah, it is, it is, that is often the excuse you see when somebody chooses this sort of a profession and they say, well, you know, it's paying the bills. How else am I going to pay the bills? And that's just from a Christian perspective, obviously not how you want to view the world. You don't want to say, well, I have no other choice, but this because clearly you have to trust God's provision that ultimately he'll provide you with what you need, not necessarily everything you want, but he, that he will provide you with what you need and you have to trust God in, in the outcome in that. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, a lot of these ex porn stars who we've interviewed, um, a lot of them go from making, you know, a million dollars a year to working office jobs in minimum wage, yeah. right? Like they're that desperate to get out. And so, yeah, absolutely. They trust and they know that God is going to provide for them and, and he always does. So it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy, and it's it's definitely a story to watch to see what she does next. Yep, indeed. Certainly can be praying for her. And, all, and, and look, for other people that we don't know who aren't famous that are in this situation, we need to be praying for them as well. Clearly, sexual sin and is, is a massive is, issue in our country today, whether, whether we know the people or don't. We just we know that this, this issue persists, so continue prayers for that. All right, we're going to head into our next story now. And as we mentioned, this Weatherman's on-air prayer that went viral over the weekend. What's the story here, Billy? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of become the prayer heard around the world, right? It was this desperate and heartfelt plea um, to God, and it was WTVA-TV chief meteorologist Matt Lubhan. Um, it seems like he's a believer when you look at his Instagram, um, and he's quoting Bible verses, and so you can kind of see the person he is when you look at his online footprint, but he is somebody who, yeah, the community in Mississippi, there they look to him uh, to give them warnings, because Mississippi is no stranger to tornadoes, and so on Friday night, he was on air and he was reporting on what was happening, which was these tornadoes were touching down. And this small town of Amory, Mississippi, um, that's who he was warning. And he's basically on the air saying, look, Am you know, Amory, we need to get to our tornado safe locations. And then as he's saying that, he sees a new scan come in right in front of him. And you can tell he's incredibly worried. He starts to sigh and he says, oh man, north side of Amory, this is coming in. Oh man. And then he pauses. And I don't think I've ever seen this before. Certainly not from a weatherman. Uh, all of a sudden he starts praying and he says, it's a quick prayer, but he says, dear Jesus, please help them. Amen. And then he continues his weather report. And so it's this really stunning moment of watching a weatherman doing his job. And he's so overtaken that he stops and he turns to God. A pretty incredible moment. Yeah, it really was. And like you said, something you just don't, you don't see that often. And, but it, um, and we'll talk about the reception of it in a minute here. But a, another element of the story is the impact of the prayer. What are people saying? 
Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned this is a guy who a lot of people there watch. They, they look to him to see for the weather what's going on with these tornadoes. And usually they have kind of a laissez-faire, whatever, eh, you know, whatever. It's no big deal because they hadn't quite had this type of event, you know, happen, you yeah. know, where a tornado rips through. And so when they saw, when viewers saw how stressed out he was about it and that he turned to prayer, uh, one woman, Lee Ann Hubbard, she told The Independent that, you know, she's used to this weather. She's usually unfazed, but that he actually saved lives. Mm. Um, she really believes that by his reaction, how he reacted, that it actually saved her life and others because people took it seriously. Um, she said, we knew it was coming, but you didn't know if it was going to touch down. And then all of a sudden, Matt says, the meteorologist, this is a potentially deadly tornado. I just remember him saying deadly over and over. Um, and then she later said after the tornado, she went out and it looked like the apocalypse. That's how she described mm. the town. So his reaction really did um, you know, save lives and, and get people to take this very seriously. And one thing that I'm very interested in is how non-Christians reacted in this. What, what have you seen on that? Yeah. So one of the interesting things about the YouTube version, you know, and of course the local affiliate there, the WTVA, they put, they put the, you know, clip of this up on their YouTube, of course. Uh, and there were people commenting and there was one guy, um, his name was Dean. And he said, I may not be a Christian, but this was a heartfelt prayer from a meteorologist who knew this was a possibly a mile wide EF4 that had destroyed two other towns in the past hour. And so the reaction really was even among people who didn't believe, wow, this guy, you know, was sincere, compassionate, and, you know, his actions were incredibly helpful. He was warning people of what was to come, which, again, that's his job. But I think the level, when you watch the clip, the level to which he was reacting and the fact that he turned to prayer, I think it even turned some people who aren't believers, it turned their heads because they, they were really looking at that and thinking, man, this guy's legit, right? He's, yeah. He really cares. Yeah, I think so too. And I saw the same sort of reaction on Twitter, which is where I saw the clip being shared around. And you, and I, you know, you can't help it. It's like looking at um, the train wreck. You, you scroll through to see what they're saying on, on the comments. And it, it was the same thing. A lot of unbelievers who say, I'm not a Christian, I'm an atheist, but this is very sincere. I appreciate this. And I found that very interesting that people were very appreciative of this because a lot of times you just see the snark, you see the kind of mocking comments, mocking God and and things of that nature. So to see that was uh, quite encouraging and, and I think uh, a testament to this man's character and his faith and how he's presenting himself to the audience on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, you know, and he even yesterday posted on his Instagram, uh, which I thought was was really nice. He posted Hebrews 11.1, 1, you know, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And he just basically said the goodness of God will prevail for those who are hurting right now. And so it was just an encouraging message. You know, I, I'm, I'd love to have him on. I'd love to talk with yeah. him. I think it's a really, really interesting story. And look, you know, when you're in those pressing moments, I think what's inside of you, the truth really comes out. And I think mm -hmm. we, we're seeing that with his prayer. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And we saw the same thing with Dan Orlovsky during the whole DeMar Hamlin incident on ESPN. Same thing. He just felt moved to prayer. And, and a lot of people appreciated that as well. Similar thing. So good to see it. Appreciate bringing that story, Billy. We're going to move over to the main thing now and talk about this ESG investing. Republicans are calling this woke capitalism. And they portray it as sort of a look at how Democrats are trying to sort of impose their views on the rest of society. Well, what's really going on here? What is ESG? What is it all about? Madison Seals spoke with Tim Head with the Faith and Freedom Coalition about this type of investing. 
and his organization's pushback against it that led to Biden's first ever veto. That's today's main thing. Today, we're talking about one of the hottest trends in finance called ESG, which stands for Environment, Social and Governance. And it encourages investors to make investment decisions based on these factors. This trend is also one of the hottest debates at the moment. Just last week, President Biden issued his first veto, rejecting a Republican-led measure that would ban the government from considering environmental impacts when making investment decisions for people's retirement plans. More than 100 conservative leaders and groups opposed the ban that Biden eventually vetoed. And today, I'm joined by one of them. Tim Head is the executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, and he joins me today to discuss what this could mean for millions of Americans. Tim, thanks for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much, Madison. And uh, thanks for talking about this issue. It's a little a little bit off the beaten path, but actually has a lot bigger impact than most of us realize. Right. And I want to get into that. What was the reason that you and so many others, as I mentioned, about 100 other conservative leaders and groups attempted to block this rule? Well, uh, so, you know, the, the United States federal government actually has has a, an investment stake in a number of different investment uh, instruments. And so the, the Treasury, whether, whether it be through bonds or through defense retirement programs or a retired federal employee, you know, retired staffers from the Hill, for instance. So the, the federal government actually invests, holds retirement assets and, and invests those assets for, at this point, millions, actually, of Americans. And whenever the federal government asks investment or asset management funds to, to manage those, uh, the federal government or Congress can actually give instructions, either allowing or disallowing uh, those those management funds to, to either um, focus on certain things or, or avoid other uh, kind of investment uh, materials. And, and that's exactly what Congress was seeking to do, is to make sure that um, no kind of activist investment firms uh, were using public monies to influence kind of corporate practices across the country. Congress took action on this and ultimately uh, the Biden administration, the White House specifically, uh, vetoed this. So this rule allows retirement plan managers to factor these kind of vague and broad issues into investment decisions, which will ultimately affect about 152 million Americans. There's been lots of debate about ESG standards. The Economist pointed out some of the issues with ESG, one of them being that the goals that fall under each category are often at odds and, as they said, risk setting conflicting goals for firms. Our administration also needs to keep in mind that 85% of the country does not even know what ESG is, even if they've heard the term and wouldn't be aware of the financial risks when they pursue ESG investment decisions. What effect could these standards have on Americans' investment gains? One example that I think you know may at least somewhat illustrate this is West Virginia, as an, as an example, obviously has a heavy, heavy uh, reliance on coal. Uh, the economy of West Virginia does. The state of West Virginia had had contracted with an investment firm to manage the funds of retired West Virginians, and that fund was actually divesting from all coal production uh, companies. And uh, hence, actually influencing uh, the the value or the ability for companies to actually do business in West Virginia producing coal. So the, this company, a private company, asset management company, was actually using essentially the assets of retired West Virginians against an economic interest of the state of West Virginia. 
Well, we can do this in, in, in states across the country, whether it be fossil fuels or uh, certain social policies, et cetera, that are actually being invested by certain funds against either the economic interests and sometimes the, uh, the cultural interests of a given state. So a number of states have started to not allow investment funds to leverage you know, their respective states, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, a number of others, against the economic and or social cultural issues of that state. Uh, so states are doing this. The federal government was trying to do the same, but the Biden administration uh, will allow that to continue to, to carry forward. I do want to bring up the S and ESG, as you just mentioned, the social issues seem to be getting the most attention because there's lots of debate around social issues in America and what can even classify as a social issue. So how could the social component and ESG politicize Americans' investments? Yeah, great question. So, you know, an example, as we as we saw last uh, last summer in June, when the Supreme Court came out with uh, its new uh, Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs decision, it made the question of abortion, for instance, a state level issue. And quickly, we saw uh, a number of states more heavily restrict abortions and then still other states expanded access to abortions, California, New York, et cetera. Well, immediately, I mean, like literally a week later, a number of states, I mean, think, for instance, Dick's Sporting Goods announced, you know, very publicly uh, that they will pay for their employees to to travel, you know, to uh, various states in order to um, to get, you know, get those uh, medical procedures. Well, in a situation like this, if an asset management fund may either choose to invest in Dick Sporting Goods uh, because they do have a policy like this, or they may choose to divest from other companies that don't have the same policy, corporate policy. So in this way, huge asset fund managers can actually essentially punish corporations for having certain social policies or reward other policies for having, you know, in this case, pro-abortion policies. And it's not a it's not voted on by the legislature. These are purely financial decisions. They're social decisions made or enforced through through financial measures by asset management companies that most of us have never even heard of. You know, right. companies like Vanguard and BlackRock and State Street and uh, other huge, huge companies usually based in New York or California. Right. So what about the veto? What's the significance and what does this mean for future White House relations with this new Republican House of Representatives? Uh, well, you're right. It was a resolution that was uh, ultimately that was that was vetoed, and it that would have restricted uh, again the federal treasury, uh, Department of Treasury, from from investing those assets based on ESG, on environmental issues, on on social issues. Uh, so at this point, uh, the uh, the asset management funds again still can make those decisions, uh, their, their investment decisions based on on social issues or environmental issues. And clearly, I mean, what we're seeing more and more is this kind of clash in, in every possible venue uh, on, on pure public policy, as well as on kind of ancillary policy like the, the White House and, uh, and especially this U.S. House of Representatives are, are at odds, to say the least. And I think you're going to see more and more clashes like this in the coming months. Yeah, definitely something to watch for. And that's about all we have time for on this podcast. But Tim with Faith and Freedom Coalition, thank you for your perspective and insight on this issue. My pleasure. Thank you so much. 
All right, Madison, thanks for breaking that all down. Really appreciate it. And that leaves us with time here for one last thing. Yeah, let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. We were just reading it a little bit earlier, but I'll read the NIV version of it, which says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And yeah, that scripture is incredible because a lot of times when we're struggling, right, you know, we're looking, we're looking to God. And when we have that relationship with him, even if we're not seeing him right in front of us, we can feel that peace and that power that he can give us even in the midst of those difficult times. And so it's just, it's a power, it's one of the most powerful verses about faith, I yeah. believe in, in scripture. Yeah, I agree. And I think just, we have a tendency to want to know, we want to know the answer. What What is your purpose in all this? And we're just we are not going to see all the answers on this side, and I think that's where we have to rest in verses like Hebrews 11.1 1, to know, okay, God's got a plan in all of this and that he is good and that ultimately, even whether we get, I mean, look at Lazarus, the poor man who was you know, neglected on his time on earth but then was in Abraham's bosom in heaven and in that scripture there that we read, you know, God has something good for us, even if it doesn't all pan out the way we want here uh, on this side. Of eternity but that is that's all the time we have for today lord willing and that creek don't rise we will be back here tomorrow with more of the same god bless we'll see you then